Hey everybody, Mark P. Fisher here, and welcome to the Inspiring Growth Podcast, where we share stories of struggle that have led to growth. Hey, today's podcast is brought to you by a world-famous seafood restaurant in Northeast Maryland. If you live in Maryland or Pennsylvania, Delaware, you know exactly who I'm talking about. It's Woody's Crab House. By the way, Northeast is a town, not just a direction. It's real close to where we live. Woody's has been voted the best seafood in our area for the past 20 years. And if you're interested in winning a $500 gift certificate for delicious, fresh Woody's seafood, go to their website at woodyscrabhouse.com. That's woodyscrabhouse.com. Oh, by the way, my favorite at Woody's, the Killer Net Buster. Ugh. It has lobster tail, fresh fish, crab cakes, crab imperial, jumbo shrimp, steamed clams and shrimp, snow crab legs, and all the sauces. Listen, maybe we'll see each other soon at Woody's Crab House. By the way, thank you, Brian and Joe, and a handful of Inspiring Growth listeners for checking in with me to see, Mark, are you still alive? I know, I know. It's been a while since we dropped a podcast. Yes, the bear has awoken from podcast hibernation. Actually, there's a short reason why we have not published a podcast in a while. My team and I held an inspiring growth strategic summit last fall. Actually, part of it was held at the beautiful headwaters of the Chesapeake Bay of Sandy Cove. And thanks to the persistent help of my executive knower and assistant, Chelsea Claser jones and my friend and brand storyteller with Inspiring Growth, Jenny Majors, They helped me hunker down and focus. Focus on our VIP Inspiring Growth consulting clients who we L-O-V-E. I mean, we love our clients. And what I'm a little nervous but pretty excited to announce later on today's podcast, which is a special 60% discount offer for the first 20 CEOs who take me up on this offer to sign up for the new Inspiring Growth Accelerator program. We'll talk more later in the podcast about that. Okay, today's podcast is part one of a fascinating two-part conversation with Kurt Mercandante. Never heard of Kurt? Well, me either until last October. This dude drops gold nuggets of wisdom left and right. If you're a leader, an entrepreneur, a CEO, an executive director, uh, you're going to love this two-part series Kurt is the author of Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle, How to Escape Your Comfort Zone of Misery. It's a fascinating concept. Kurt helps people like you and me fight for lives of freedom and fulfillment. But the path for Kurt was building a hellish prison of his own business that nearly killed him. Hey, you ready to jump into Kurt's story? Let's go. Welcome, everybody, to the Inspiring Growth Podcast. And in the studios live via Zoom is Kurt Mercandante. And Kurt is an interesting fellow. I want you to hear his story. So let's start here, Kurt. Uh, you built multiple businesses. And then one day, you shut them all down. Can you tell us why? Yeah, and, and thanks for having me on the show. I, you know, I was always driven to succeed, Uh in large part, that's how I was raised. Uh, but my father was my hero, worked on the space program, 
didn't you really even know the extent until after he passed away and found a letter from Honeywell Corporation thanking him for his work on the Mars Mariner, was it the Mercury or Mars Mariner mission? One of the two. Wow. Um, would tell me stories of being in the desert. Uh, he had built switches on fighter jets, uh, led the team that um, uh, designed all the switches on the Boeing 777. And uh, he did that later in his life. When he, interesting story that, that when I talk about being driven to succeed, when he was, he was a, a lot older than I was. He and my mom both had, uh, were both married before. And so uh, when he passed away, he was 83 and I was in my 30s. So there was a, there was a big age gap. A bit of a gap there. Yeah, yeah. He had me when he was 46. Mm. Um, and so I was, I'm 44. So when I hit that two years from now, it'll be an interesting, um, oh, yeah. interesting you know, same age. At, so when he was in his mid fifties, so this would have been the, uh, early to mid eighties, about 1983, 84. Um, you know, the economy was coming back, but it wasn't, we we're still recovering from the seventies. Right. Um, and he lost his job. Now he had been president of these companies, fortune 500 companies, uh, you know, launched the first digital sewing machine at Singer corporation, you know, okay. found himself out of work. And when you're in your mid fifties, and you're out of work, and you had been a C-level executive, That's sometimes, crazy. you know, I never heard him complain about ageism, whatever else. Maybe he did, but that just wasn't my dad. And he went a long time without a job, didn't want to take money, didn't want to take handouts. And he ended up getting, I was about nine years old at the time, got a newspaper route and would get me up at like three and four in the morning, my mom as well. And we would go to that facility. I hated it and bagged the things. He would drive the station wagon and I would sit out the back and I'd throw these things out. But how humbling that was for him. It must have been, right? But I never heard yeah. him complain. And finally, he decided, you know, forget this. I'm going to, he ended up reinventing himself. He was a mechanical engineer by trade, became a management consultant and went on to have a 20 year career after that fulfilling hmm. career at which he had changed and was always present at my games my recitals, all that. Before that, he wasn't as much. And, and so that last 20 years you know, of his career, I learned how to be, or so I thought. So I, I founded a PR and ad agency in my 20s. I decided I had always wanted to work for myself. You know, I'd seen my dad start his company. I always wanted to work for myself. And, and what, what was the focus of that PR? Like what kind of space were you in? Yeah, I worked with a lot of associations, worked in public policy, um, you know, as we talked about, uh, kind of offline, I, I, we were in the DC area, worked for a large nonprofit, worked for a number of trade associations, worked on Capitol Hill. And my wife, speech pathologist by trade, wasn't in the whole DC scene. And my dad at the time, so this would have been about 2005, was, you, you could tell he was, he was on the decline. Got it. And I came home actually for, uh, I'm a big White Sox fan. So I came home for the World Series and spent some time with my dad. We went to a Notre Dame game and I came back and I told my wife, I said, I, I got to go, we got to go back. We got to move back and, and just, you know. So we moved back and um, I decided, listen, I'm, I'm going to build my own company. I've always wanted to do it. I've never been president of anything. I've never led anything. I've built my, you know. So I, I, in my 20s, I built this company, got four clients and started making really good money. And about four years into it, I was in hell. I wanted to give it up. I was overwhelmed. I was frustrated. I was grinding. I worked from home, but I never saw my wife and kids. We had two kids at the time, about four years into my company. And even though I worked from home, when I would see them, I wasn't mentally present. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So describe what hell looked like for you. 
Yeah. So it was around that time that, well, I was 40 pounds heavier than I am now. Okay. I was on a number of prescription drugs for, uh, you know, the statins and, you know, for, for, uh, cholesterol and, and other things. And then I began having these massive stomach pains. Now I'd, I'd been having them for like 12 years where I'd eat like a sandwich and it felt like, uh, uh I had just had Thanksgiving dinner. Like I'd have to go lay down and I uh, just bloated. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but bloated, but in a way where I was shut down and mm. my left arm, like my hands would get tingly. Mm -hmm. Almost like my ring wouldn't fit and it would go mm -hmm. numb. If sometimes, like, am I having a heart attack? Mm. I always thought, okay, well, you know, I'm Italian, bread, pasta. I always thought, well, oh, you boy. know what? It's, uh, I'm allergic. It's the acidity in the tomatoes in the sandwich. Anyway, well, I, so I, I kept having this and, and the, these problems. And so I was on um, one drug where it would literally drive me nuts. It, it would just, it would, um, I would feel, they didn't tell me about this side effect, but my brother-in-law, who's a doctor, said, oh yeah, the, in medical school, we joke around saying with this drug, I can't even remember the name of it, but they told me I had irritable, irritable bowel syndrome, so they put me on a drug, which made things actually worse. But they said, mad as a hatter, uh, dry, uh, red as a beet, dry as a bone. So it would like dry me out, it would cause massive like sweating and heat, mm. and then I would have these thoughts of like, almost like psychotic thought, <laughs> you know, it was crazy. Mm. Mm. So I said, well, forget that. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I completely changed my diet, changed my exercise. I became paleo. I gave up all gluten, dairy, all that good stuff. Helped some things. Okay. It helped a bit. I lost some weight, uh, you know, all that. Went off the cholesterol drugs. Okay. I came upon the Gallup Strengths Finder program. Oh, yeah. What are your strengths? So I'm a learner. Okay. Number one, context, intellection, responsibility. Oh, sorry. A learner context activator, intellection, responsibility. Uh, how mm. about you? Activator, strategic, woo, communications, and arranger. So, by the way, folks, uh, I know that if I was you, I'm listening to this, I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 what in the world are they talking about? So, uh, if you could give like a one sentence summary of what the, the, Strength Finders is, and then folks, you can go online and do a Strength Finders test to find it. Absolutely. So if it's so a strength, it, it's all about. Well, forty years ago, Don Clifton, who founded it, psychologist, looked at the big uh, book of mental disorders, you know, on the mm -hmm. desk, and, yes. and and up to that point, it was all about deficit-based development. What's mm -hmm. wrong with you? And we're going to treat right. what's wrong with you. And he said, right. what if we flip the script and said, what if we start amplifying what's right with people? Strengths Finder was born, and they find I am now. You know, fast forwarding, I'm now a Gallup certified strengths trainer, as you would expect. Yeah, there you go. And <laughs> it's all about amplifying your strengths and managing your weaknesses. Yeah. So I use the example of Larry Bird. Right, Larry Bird, by his own admission, I don't want hate mail saying I'm yeah. whatever. He said he was a slow white guy who couldn't jump. Right. Yeah, I remember. Hearing no that. matter how much he worked out, he wasn't going to jump as high as Michael Jordan. He wasn't going to be as fast as someone else, but he could shoot the heck out of the ball and pass the ball. He right. amplified that. He managed his weaknesses. I mean, he kept in shape. You know, yeah. he got as fast as he could be. But he focused on the best being the best that he could be. That's what it was about. And, and I came upon that, and it really spoke to me. And I had been taking clients that didn't value me. Mm. You know, anyone would, would, would uh, send me money or uh, yeah. offer me money, take it. It doesn't matter yeah. if, you, if, if it's not what I want. Yeah. Yeah. I take it in. I know that story. Oh, yeah. About how old were you at this point? Um, so this would have been uh, about 10 years ago. So about 34, 35, okay. in my mid-30s. Okay. Right, so you had clients paying you, but they didn't value you. Exactly. 
Okay. All right. I was working in my weaknesses zone because as many entrepreneurs do, I was in denial about the fact that, oh, I can't afford to outsource and mm. delegate and hire mm. people. So I was doing all the things that were not in my strength zone. Long story short, I decided, well, I'm not going to give this up because we're making good money. I fired half my clients. I started hiring a team around me. And I know it sounds counterintuitive to a lot of entrepreneurs over there, but you fire half your clients, you start putting more money out the door. And what happened? I doubled my revenue the next year. Hmm. And so that was great. I got- Weren't you a little nervous though? Come on, be real. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's. Uh, but I figured, you know what? If, if I had to, I would rather do anything rather than go to a desk job again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the way I was. And, and mm-hmm. you know, to use my, my dad say, I, I would rather go deliver newspapers than go back <laughs> to an office yeah. job. So, so I, I gained some freedom some time freedom. I gained some financial freedom. But in 2012, uh, my father passed away. Hmm. And we were sitting at his wake. And, you know, I had mentioned all those cool things he did in his career and all that, hard charger. And uh, grown men at his wake, tears streaming down their eyes. And not a one person mentioned anything about my dad's career. It was about husband, father, volunteer. He read audiobooks for the blind. He, he was a University of Notre Dame guy. So he was president of the local chapter, did all these things. And everyone mentioned that. And I hear, I thought, you know what? My hero had set this example for me. And here I was like, what the heck was I doing? I wasn't as good a dad as I was. I wasn't being as great of a father. I wasn't, uh, I certainly wasn't fulfilled. And so I decided, listen, I'm going to make a change here and there. As I'm listening to your story, I realize I've done the same thing. I have friends who are entrepreneurs done the same thing. We look at somebody who who takes that role of a hero, that that respect role, right? And we start to exemplify the things that are easy to quantify. Not parenting, not husbanding, not friending, not charitable. Those are almost impossible to quantify, right? And then we just chase after the thing that is on the surface, right? The thing that is easy to see. I like to say most people see successful people and see the tip of the iceberg. They have no idea the struggle that happened underneath. And so it's interesting. You had this moment, but it was after he passed. Yeah, no. And, and I call it a comfort zone of misery. Henry David Thoreau calls it a, you know, life of quiet desperation Mm. where the paycheck is good. And that's what we were told. Hey, we're men. That's what we are. We're breadwinners. That's what we're supposed to do. So all this time I'm having, I, I was having, um, in addition, so the stomach issues yep. kind of subsided a little bit, but what I noticed when they did hit, they hit worse, like massive, you know, and they became, came to be mixed with anxiety attacks. Hmm. And I remember this one time I was sitting on the edge of my bed, the lights were off because I couldn't just... The, the, the stimulation of the light was just driving me crazy. And I was rocking back and forth on the bed. And my wife was like, what the heck is going on? You know, she peeked her head in and I said, can you get the kids at the time we had two kids? Can you just get them away? Like mm-hmm. put them down in the basement, put the, I, I, I can't even stand the sound of their mm-hmm. voice. They weren't being bad. They weren't, you know, they were just being kids. And, um, I felt guilty. I was having an anxiety attack. I was making great money, nice house. I was doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And, and, and so I felt guilty as heck because I was following the playbook that you were mm-hmm. supposed to, 
you're supposed to do. And so you fall into that comfort zone of misery where the pay is good and you can drift along. You know something's wrong. Even if you have some personal pain and anxiety, but we're men and so we're supposed to be tough. And so you push that down. Uh, Anthony Iannarino is best-selling author, sales trainer. He calls it the drift, where you're drifting along, you're making the money, you're going along, and then something hits you over the head and you're like, I got to make a change. But you, you look around and you're 700 miles offshore. Like, oh my gosh. So, so my dad, you know, I sit there, I'm like, all right, I got to make a change. I got to make a change. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. What, what do you do? Yeah. It's like, so that was in 2012 and I just kept keeping on, mm-hmm. you know, you make change and then you're like, okay, great. Uh, the morning period's over. I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. We moved from Chicago to Charleston, South Carolina. Well, maybe the palm trees will fix it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll make everything better. And, uh, we kept having kids and, um, things just kept getting worse from the anxiety standpoint, uh, from the, uh, just that feeling and, and, and every so often, you know, when I'm alone with my thoughts, just going into dark places. And mm. did you ever think it would be easier if I just ended it? No, never had that thought. Never got to that place. Never got to that place. Um, can I see how some people do? I, I can't even imagine it. Yeah. Um, and, but I never got to that place. And, and I think it's, I think it's because I also have not been afraid to um, to realize something's wrong. Okay. To realize, listen, I got to make some changes in my behavior and what I do. I just didn't know what the heck to do. Yeah. Um, so you didn't have a guide. You didn't have a a Yoda. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it's funny because, it, or it's not funny. I thought I was hiding things right from my wife and. So there was a day in, uh, it was like 2016, 2017, I, uh, I was supposed to be on vacation that week. I told all my clients, I'm on vacation, mm-hmm. I'm out. Mm-hmm. And that didn't stop them. Emails, hop on this conference call, send us this report, boom, 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 boom. Because the week after vacation, I was supposed to fly up to DC for this god-awful meeting where like the year before we all flew in, or well, I flew in on a Sunday night. It was like 8, 8.30 in the morning. It was like one of those December days or when it was like 12 degrees in DC. And we came in and proceeded to be scolded for 45 minutes for being quote low energy. Like what, mm. what's wrong with you people? And I decided like, and, and there were these planning meetings that were like six to eight hours. There were some of mm. them. And I said, I'm never coming to this again. Mm. But over the course of the year, it's like, well, they're my highest paying client. I got to, but I woke up on this morning and they just kind of send us send us the report, get on this call, do this. Yeah, I know when you're on vacation, but we're having this conference call. And I woke up and I said, that's it. That's, I'm mm-hmm. done. So I went to my wife and I was like, well, this is going to be a shock to her. And I looked at her, I said, Julie, it's over. I'm done. And she looked at me and she said, oh, thank God. It's about <laughs> God. <time."> yeah. <laughs> the revelation has turned to action. Yeah, yeah. And, and I shut it down. You know, I mean, there were some people that's like, okay, I have 30 days left on the contract, all that. But I was like, okay. And now I had been side hustle coaching hmm. for a while because entrepreneurs came to me and said, listen, you've built this freedom and, and can you help us? And I realized when I was coaching, you know what? This is what That's I what like love. doing. Yeah. But so I had like a four-year plan. I'm going to ramp down the agency and then I'm going to ramp up the coaching. Mm-hmm. But you know, everyone has a four year plan and that four year turns into eight year turns into six turns into, well, I'm 65, I guess, I, you know, yeah. and I like to say you need a 90 day plan, just 90 days. 
Well, it turned to that four-year plan turned into like a three-week plan. I was gonna say you did. You were like, boom. That was it. Okay, now hold on. Oh, let's 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 just pause. Okay, so I'm I'm thinking some of my listeners are like, okay, that's cool. Fire your clients. Uh, quit your job. Or you know, close your business. How'd you pay the bills? Hey, as we take a short break, I'd like you to consider joining me on a new, exciting journey to wildly increase your revenues over the next three to six months. Our team at Inspiring Growth has been quietly working behind the scenes on the new Inspiring Growth Accelerator training program. This first edition, this cohort, is for camp directors. And you may ask, wait, camp directors? Yeah, hospitality has been in my blood for 25 years. Yes, I've served over 125 different clients and industries over the years, but the first Inspiring Growth Accelerator program is for you as a camp director. I served as vice president for Forest Home Camps and Retreats in Southern California, where we increased revenues by 98%. And then with Sandy Cove in Maryland, most recently, our team increased guest group revenues by $461,000. Another camp by 62%, another 56%. But to be totally transparent with you, The more VIP clients and hands-on relationships I've had with my VIP clients we've taken on, the more I've felt this rising anxiety, this anxiousness in me. And as you've gotten to know me, you know that I've had six surgeries in the past, in part, I think, from my inability to handle stress and anxiety in leadership. And I don't want to go down that path again. Now, even though I've limited my VIP clients to five at any one time, I feel like this heavy responsibility to produce like stunning results for my clients just weighs on me. And I guess it's my DNA or my Enneagram 3 or my high DI disc or my driver personality. I don't know. But the anxiety is not healthy for me, my family, or my team, or my clients, really. So in 2020... I am limiting my VIP clients to the three that I have now, but that is where the Inspiring Growth Accelerator program comes in for you. Catch this, starting February 29th. Yep, you can leap forward on leap day. If you run a camp, or as I like to say, it runs you, that rents its facility to outside groups, you can become part of the exclusive Inspiring Growth Accelerator online program. I will carefully walk you through the proven three steps to wildly increase your guest group revenues by 23% to 98%. Now, this is going to include private lifetime access to the online course, private Facebook groups with fellow CEOs, and weekly group Q&A sessions with me and my team. Camps, retreats, conference centers have invested, in some cases, between $56,000 and $104,000 for inspiring growth results. And in every case, these clients have increased their revenues again, like by 23 to 98%. So what does that translate into dollars? Well, one client grew 308,000, another 540,000. So if you or someone you know would like to be one of the first 20 camp directors to enroll in the Inspiring Growth Accelerator program and save 60%, Here are the two ways to find out more. You can either email me directly at mark at inspiringgrowth.biz. That's mark at inspiringgrowth.biz. 
or go to the Inspiring Growth website at inspiringgrowth.biz and fill out the interest form to see if your camp qualifies. That's inspiringgrowth.biz. And I can almost hear some of you wondering, well, what if I don't run a camp? What if I run a small business or a fee-for-service nonprofit? Can I join? My answer to you is not yet. I'm working on that program for you later in the year, but you can certainly send me an email or be placed on our first-to-contact list, again, at mark at inspiringgrowth.biz. So I'm, I'm thinking some of my listeners are like, okay, that's cool. Fire your clients, uh, quit your job, or, you know, close your business. How'd you pay the bills? So I had, um, you know, we had some savings. Okay. Not as, so not as not much. Every, not everybody does. Yeah. It, 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 well, when I say I had some savings, you know, they say have six months of savings. Right. Didn't have that. That's the Dave Ramsey method. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to add to it, I said, okay, you know, when you, it, it's, it's interesting. When you jump into, even if you have expertise and you've done things before successfully, like I right. had built companies. I had my PR agency. I also had an online media company that I had. And, but suddenly I'm entering the world of personal development or professional development. And I have to forget everything I did before. And I have to get some professional and personal development gurus, right? And, and watch that. And so they're like, oh, the way to build a business. I forgot everything I had done before to build a business. The way you got to build a business is you got to do webinars and you got to do Facebook ads and you got to do all this. So I did that. It's been about 15 or 20 grand. How'd that work for you? Yeah, I got zero clients. Ouch. So that, you know, I ate, I ate into some, uh, quite a bit savings. of savings. Yeah. Um, and then I said, well, that, I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started, I just said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a video, post it online every single day. Now, one of the reasons the webinar didn't work was if you asked me what my vision was, I couldn't have told you. A little foggy. I, 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 you know, I, and I ignored everything. You know, I had a PR and ad agency. I ignored all the lessons that I would have told clients, which is it's not about me. It's not about the bells and whistles and the features. Mm. It's about them. And, and so my videos were like, and the webinar was, hey, here's the features. And, and I became, by the way, I got my, uh, in, another way I ate into my savings was I, what is it? I don't know. What was it? 5,000 bucks, whatever it was for my Gallup Strengths certification course. So I, I built all this infrastructure, you know, and, mm. but everything I did was, hey, Here's the history of StrengthsFinder. Here's the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. I started doing a video a day. Around that time, LinkedIn video came on the scene. So I started yeah. doing it there, posting on Twitter, YouTube. And I started to build up kind of an audience, actually just on LinkedIn. Everywhere else, it was kind yeah. of useless. Yeah. And I got a coach around that time, uh, an epic dad's coach, because I felt, listen, I am not the dad I need to be. Fraser Cameron. His name's Fraser Cameron, and he, he, uh, he, he, his program is called Epic Dads, and it's to help you be a, a better dad. And wow. um, so, and, and actually, I had gotten him probably a few weeks before I ended up quitting my job. And so, okay. he was basically whispering in my head, like, make the change, make the change, mm-hmm. make the change. Mm-hmm. So, so, that helped as well when I woke up on Tuesday, like, what am I doing? And he told me after about, what, 60 days of doing videos every day? He's like, listen, you're getting an audience, nothing wrong with your videos, except for the fact that why don't you start talking about some of the pain you went through? Start talking mm. about maybe there's not people out there with the same pain. Don't talk mm. about your bells and your whistles. So I did that. And I, and I did a couple of videos talking about, listen, are you building a prison instead of a business? Mm. And I got three clients, 10 grand within a week. 
And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. That worked. And doing the, doing the videos were free. So I began doing that. And, and over the course of a year, I kind of found my way through it, built a company, did six figures entirely off LinkedIn videos. Wow. And um, I was working with individuals and then I transitioned to doing group courses. And now I'm actually, uh, I'm focused on doing keynotes and then trainings with companies, large groups, because what we find is there's a great book, Gallup, It's the Manager, that there's a, a strong link between uh, branding and companies not having their clear vision and employees not knowing their clear vision and wanting to get the heck out of their companies. And so, you know, fulfilled employees are engaged employees are productive employees are profitable employees. Well and said. I realized that I can have a real impact if I can go into a company and help build that alignment between, first of all, help a company find out like what's your purpose for being and what's the impact you want to have on the world, aligning that with engaged, fulfilled employees it's a win-win for anyone. And if I can go in and do that and help 30 people on a sales team or a biz dev team be fulfilled at once, then I'm accomplishing my mission, which is to help mm. people uh, fight for lives of freedom and fulfillment. Let's pause right there. Say it again. Helping individuals fight for lives of freedom and fulfillment. Now, unpack that. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So I, you know, I have a shirt on right now that says, what does freedom mean to you? So it's, it's interesting that you asked that. If I ask that question and someone has no idea what they mean, then they need to find it. If I ask that question and they know very clearly what it means, but think there's no way in the world that I could ever achieve it, they got to make a change. Maybe they're caught in that comfort zone of misery. It means something different to everyone. I, I have a podcast called the Freedom Club Podcast. And I always ask that question, what does freedom mean to you? Some people come up political economic, social. But the common thread is freedom from guilt, doing what I want to do within the realms of ethical, moral, legal behavior, right? Mm. But there is um, a virus in our society. And sometimes it affects with your family and friends, and it's called the scarcity virus. And mm. there's people in this world that I call them scarcity pimps. They come in a lot of different forms. They're the types of people who, I'm starting a company, mom and dad, or I'm starting a company, Aunt Jim, or friend X, Y, Z. And they're like, why are you going to do that? You spent so much money and time on your bachelor's degree. You're just throwing it away. Mm, heard that. In some cases, it's because they're jealous and they want to do it. You know, in some cases, it's because maybe they paid for college <laughs> for, for the kid. You know, they're the people, you go on a nice vacation and you're like, I don't want to post these pictures because I have people in my family who will be like, must be nice. Oh, yep. Jim must be doing really well. Or they're the people who would have you believe that uh, someone on, I forget who it was, but a friend shared it on Twitter, posted um, this, uh, what do you call it? The hockey stick uh, graph yeah. about GDP and prosperity and wealth in our world. Mm -hmm. And it was like in the last 50 years, all of a sudden, boom, went up. Exploded. Great news. Um, I had someone on my podcast, a professor, the fact of the matter is, if you polled people and said, is poverty getting better or worse? Oh, it's getting worse. Is violence, is there more violence in the world than there was 50 years ago? Oh, a lot more violence. Is the environment better or worse than 50 years ago? It's doom and gloom, right? The fact of the matter is, all of those things have gotten better at a faster rate than any time in human history, but you would never know it because the scarcity pimps would have you believe everything's getting worse. That's not 
acknowledging or ignoring the fact that there are people with problems. Yeah. There's obviously things with our environment that can get better, but abundance mindset, you have gratitude, right? Mm. What's awesome about this world. Mm. But you pair that with the second question, which is very important because the scarcity pimps would have you believe that gratitude actually means guilt and stagnation. You should just be happy for what you have Interesting. and feel guilty for wanting more. So that second question is what could make today, what can make this world even more awesome? That acknowledges, hey, there's things in the environment that need fixing. What can mm. we do to, to fix them? Not mm. the world is going to hell in a handbasket. We're all going to die in five years until, you know, unless we do this. Um, and so it's, it's abundance and scarcity. If you have an abundance mindset and you know what freedom means in your life, mm-hmm. you know very clearly what it means. It might mean having your own business. It might mean I have a client from last year who was convinced when he came to me that his job was the problem, that I have to quit my job. A year later, he's lost almost 100 pounds. His marriage is stronger. And he's building a pro bono practice within his firm. He's an attorney to give him fulfillment. So he found freedom and fulfillment within his current job, but mm-hmm. had to align the other facets of his life, his family and his self-care in a place that worked for him. So let, let's pause for a moment there, Kurt. How can you build a life of freedom and fulfillment? What, what are the stages, the steps? My listeners are, are, are wondering this question. I can just feel it. Yeah. So the, the first thing you have to realize is that you can actually do it. You're not confined okay. to a life by default. That's where the abundance mindset comes in. Every morning, every single day, ask yourself what's awesome about today and what could make today even more awesome. That puts you in a mindset of, I'm an autonomous human being. There are things in my life I can control. There's things I can't control. A lot of times the scarcity pimps would have us worry about all those things we can't control. Worry about what you can control. Start designing your life. There's five pillars of the freedom lifestyle. And that's one of your, that's your book, Five Pillars of a Freedom Lifestyle, which uh, folks can get at your website. Yeah. If you go to fivepillarsoffreedom.com, you can go there, yeah. you can get chapter one for free. You can say, I hate his writing style. I'm never going to get this book. Or you can say, I like it and, and go all get right. the book. Let's talk about those five. So the first is superpowers. And that's where the strengths finder comes in. Everything I do starts with the strengths finder assessment. And we all, uh, we talked about strengths finders earlier, but every human being is endowed with talents with which we're born. I call them untapped superpowers. They're the naturally recurring patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior that can be productively applied. Now, we named some of those talents, yeah. the, the learner, activator, responsibility. But when you think of them broadly, they're put in categories like, are you a strategic thinker? Are you more of a relationship builder? Are you more of an influencer? Are you more of an activator? And mm-hmm. you look at those things and you're like, okay, those are my untapped superpowers. I compare it to muscles, right? We all have muscles, give or take the same amount of muscles, right? <laughs> but we're not all Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, why? Well, he invested them in them every single day. He went to the gym and worked out his muscles. When you start working out and investing your talent themes every single day, you turn them into strengths, right? You're like, heck, I'm a relationship builder. I'm going to invest in that and focus on that. And you know what? Maybe I'm a really bad at keeping the trains running on time. I got to hire someone. I got to outsource. I got to delegate that, you know, and you manage those weaknesses. So instead of fixing your weaknesses, what I'm hearing you say is focus on your strengths. Those muscles that are, could become superpowers. Absolutely. You know, I I remember when I first became CEO at Sandy Co, I I had seen some things in the past in other organizations, and there was a disconnect between the CEO and the board of directors. And one of the ways I was told that you help bridge that gap for, for, you know, off- board of directors that meet four times a year, you know, they're not living in it. 
do a 360 on the CEO. Have everyone who reports to the CEO do an anonymous survey that's done by an outside firm. So I got my first executive summary of my C, you know, that CEO 360, and uh, you know, it was like 90% great. And then there was this 10% uh, these are Mark's weaknesses. And I went into a funk. Right? I was like, how am I gonna fix these weaknesses? And I called a mentor, a friend of mine, a southern boy from South Carolina, and I said, Rogers, oh, this is horrible. And he goes, Fish. He said, What are you are you stupid? You are great at 90% of the stuff. Focus on that and you'll do fine and hire to your weakness. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, I talked about Larry Bird before. Uh, I don't know if you remember Muggsy Bogues, remember? I think he was about nope. five foot four. Um no. Played in the NBA and uh, for years played with the Charlotte Hornets. Muggsy, he wasn't tall. No matter what he did, he wasn't going to be tall. He could have focused on that weakness. How the heck are you going to fix that, right? He became the best Muggsy Bogues he could. He focused on, he, he was really quick. He was really yeah. fast. He could dribble the heck out of the ball. He could pass the heck out of the ball. Had a, I don't know, 10-year, 15-year uh, NBA career, right? I had a friend who, and a lot of us think about strengths, we, we, we confuse them with skills. We play to our skills mm -hmm. and our strengths. So I had a friend who used to play semi-pro baseball. And I said, Chris, were you right-handed or left-handed? And he was a big dude, so he was a hitter. He said, well, I hit from the right-handed side of the plate. I said, what if at the beginning of the season, your coach said, well, Chris, we're going to try something different this year. We're going to have you hit from the left-handed side of the plate. Mm -hmm. He said, well, I would suck. Mm -hmm. My batting average would be bad. I'd get benched. I'd quit. I'd be grinding all year. It would be horrible. And I said, right. You know what? As entrepreneurs, we force ourselves often to hit from the left-handed side of the plate, or mm. we do that with our teams, round peg, square hole. And when you hit from the right-handed side of the plate, all right, your weakness is hitting from the left-handed side of the plate. Who cares, right? But if you look at the dominant development model, whether it's parenting, coaching on the field, uh, even, uh, you know, you get those performance reviews, right? And now you had the 360 review, but there's a lot of performance reviews where you get it and it's like a paragraph of, hey, you smile in the morning, you come in on time, all that. And then mm. it's four pages of here are all the things you have to fix. Right. It's deficit-based development. And I say that, you know, Gallup has a poll that is 77% of parents think that their kids should focus almost solely on the subjects in school in which they perform worst. And I say that's like telling Usain Bolt, 100 meter time, great, man. But you know what? Your mile time sucks. So no more training for the 100 meters until your mile time gets better. It's like, mm. well, why? What's, what's the use of that? Mm -hmm. So you get into that strength zone, you amplify it, and you combine it with your knowledge, your skills, your passion, what you love to do, mm. you turn them into superpowers. Mm. So that's the first pillar. But let me just pause there. It, you know, it's interesting. Um, I love story, and you're, you're a great storyteller. Thank you for that. Um, but I want to be a better storyteller. And uh, I've had several friends say, Mark, you're a good storyteller. But, you know, I got introduced to the Moth. You ever heard of the Moth? Moth, it's an international organization where they invite people to share true stories in front of a live audience with no notes. Five to six minutes. So I started attending. And then I started putting my name in the hat. And I started competing. Um, and I'm trying to get better at something I love. And it's so fulfilling rather than trying to become an accountant, because I got to tell you, I mean, you know, seriously, have you ever heard the pun about the calculator? No. Figures. That's it. That's all I know. <laughs> so when I hired a CPA, my life got better. 
Hey, be sure to tune in to the second part of my conversation with Kurt as he unpacks the five pillars of freedom. I actually asked Kurt to take me through the questions for my own life, and it was painfully vulnerable, but really helpful. So tune in to the next episode of Inspiring Growth. Hey folks, thanks for joining me for another inspiring story of struggle that's led to growth. Just as a reminder, if you or someone you know would like to be one of the first 20 camp directors to enroll in the new Inspiring Growth Accelerator program and save 60%, here are the two ways to find out more. Either email me directly at mark at inspiringgrowth.biz or go to our website inspiringgrowth.biz and fill out the interest form to see if your camp qualifies. Hey, thanks to Dylan Garvin with Studio D Production for editing today's podcast. And thanks to the world-famous Woody's Crab House for sponsoring today's podcast. Remember, you could be eligible to win $500 of delicious, fresh seafood by going to woodyscrabhouse.com and becoming a VIP member. Hey, if you like the podcast... Would you take a moment and subscribe or like or share and rate Inspiring Growth? I'm super grateful for the five-star rating on iTunes from over 200 folks just like you. And finally, friend, if you want to grow, really grow in your connection with others, remember, be kind, be fully present, and ask good questions.